I'm Daphne Wolsencroft, and you're listening to Night Watch, a show of terrifyingly true stories. If you'd like your story told on the show, email it to watcher at nightwatchpod.com. Tonight, my wife and I finally saw the remake of It. It was a pretty rare viewing for us because even though we both love going to the movies, we usually go in larger groups or see genres like comedy, action, or drama, or pretty much every damn animated release with our kids, which I admit are always fun to take them to. My wife isn't the biggest fan of horror movies, but her dad was a part of making the original It for TV. And he passed last year, so it seemed more like a sentimental type watch, I guess. But this is all besides the point, because all that happened during our viewing of It, other than it being a solid remake, Bill Skarsgård gave a very creepy performance, it made me think back to when I saw The Ring, just over 15 years ago in theaters. An occurrence I haven't thought about in a while, and hadn't even told my wife about until tonight but I did so after the movie was over, so it didn't scare her. It was an occurrence you can say I tried very hard to block out of my memory. The Ring had been out for a few weeks, and I just remember it being like a box office sensation that October. All my buddies were going to see it with their girlfriends, but since I was single at the time, I didn't have a girl to take to see it. I could have gone with any of my friends, but I'd been working at a dive bar back in those days, so most of my nights were busy pouring beers for drunk people and not getting home until 3 a.m. Even though going to the movies has always been one of my favorite pastimes, even after this experience, the timing just never worked out for me to see this film with my friends. But things weren't like today, where you can stream movies shortly after they release from theaters, or even sometimes while they're still in theaters. You had to wait some six-odd months or so until the suckers got out there on DVD, and then you had to rent it or buy it. Although I miss the days of Blockbuster, I just remember wanting to see The Ring as soon as possible. So, one day, I wasn't working and decided to treat myself to a matinee since I was seeing this insanely scary horror movie by myself. And even though I'm a guy, I was still a bit freaked out to see it all alone. Plus, matinees are cheaper and, well, I was a barkeep on a budget. I grabbed a popcorn and an icy, still my go-tos, and headed into a theater room in my smallish town's downtown theater. The Halloween crowd had died down since it was after the holiday, and more people were probably trying to get into the happier holiday spirit or something, so the theater The Ring was playing in was completely empty. Great, I thought. If I knew I'd be completely alone in the theater, I probably wouldn't have gone, but since I already bought my damn ticket and got my snacks, I wasn't just about to leave. I remember sitting in the very last row at the top of the theater so my back wasn't vulnerable, and this way I could see very well if anyone else walked into the theater before or after it started. 
But the trailers came and went, and then the opening scene. And I was the only person in there. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What kind of tape? Like I said, it was a small theater, not the AMC I usually go to now. So there weren't that many seats in the room to begin with, probably around 50 seats. So when I say I was in the back row, I was only like three rows from the ground floor where the main door is, and probably six rows from the very front of the theater. Still, the fact that I was alone made the room feel huge. Now, The Ring as a film is pretty dark. In more than one way, yes, but I also mean just dark in color. I remember there being a lot of daytime scenes, but it's always rainy and blue-toned, so it just makes everything creepier. But I know what I saw that day was not a figment of my imagination or a trick of the light. Like I said before, I was in the very back row of the theater, and no one had walked in after I got there. But I was also confident that no one had already been in there when I arrived. The only way someone could have been in there is if they were laying on the floor or crouched down, hiding. But why would someone do that? I still wonder if that's what happened, but with what else there is to this story... I think it's more complex than that. There's one part of the ring that is really burned into my memory. Because this is the part when I notice something off in the theater. The part when Naomi Watts' character is pretty much taking the videotape apart at her work, going frame by frame. She notices there's a fly on the screen, and this part of the movie is very bright when this fly is focused on. I was so into the movie up until that point, and then when this bright light takes over the screen, I notice the shadow of a head a few rows in front of me. Something you needed help with? Down in the second row, off to the right side of the theater, is a single-person silhouette. From what I could see, it looked like a man. Short hair, broad shoulders, slight scruff on his face. From what I could see, by the way, his head was slightly turned towards the center of the screen. I remember my heart dropping to the floor. How long have I not been alone, I wondered. My immediate thought was that someone had been in the theater with me the whole time or had come in when I was covering my eyes or something, maybe in the beginning when the dead friend is sitting on the floor with her face all messed up. Yeah, that makes sense. Someone came in and I just didn't notice. I probably let out a sigh of relief at this point because I wasn't alone in the theater anymore. Yes, it was another single person, sitting way too close to the screen in my opinion, but he was probably in the same position as me. Didn't have anyone to see it with, had a day off. So I continued watching the movie and got lost in it again, not thinking about who was or wasn't around me. But another bright scene a short while later showed the man's seat empty. Naturally, I'm questioning what I saw. Was there ever anyone there at all? 
Did he get up for popcorn and I again didn't notice his movements? So I scan the room and that's when I notice him. On the opposite side of the theater, same row as before. It's not like he moved to the center or back a row for better vision. This guy was virtually in the same position as before, just on the other side of the room. But there was something different that gives me goosebumps just thinking and typing about. He wasn't facing the screen anymore. He was facing me. I could tell easily because even though he was a silhouette, his body was twisted backwards, turned completely around to face me. Because I was rose behind him, my face was probably completely illuminated. Even if the screen weren't bright, I'm totally exposed. So he could see me looking back at him. That's when I remember a smile crossing his face. By then, the theater wasn't so bright but the whites of his teeth were practically glowing in the dark. My entire body froze. I couldn't move. I couldn't look away. I couldn't ask, hey, what the hell are you looking at? It was such a strange thing to be happening that I didn't even have any pocketed ideas for this type of situation. I imagined running for the exit, but the man was about one row closer to the main door than I was. So I could just picture him making it there before me and God knows what happening from there. His smile was so sinister, so still, so unmoving. It's not like he turned around to acknowledge that we were two dudes in a theater alone saying, hey, to break any awkwardness. There was something so dark about the way he was just sitting there, turned around, smiling at me for at least 10 seconds. And all I could do was stare back. Eventually, he snapped right back to facing the screen in one quick motion. But I still couldn't move. I was still afraid to leave the theater because I didn't want him to turn around and catch me. There would be at least five or so seconds where my back would be turned to him as I walked down the short hallway to the theater's door. In the dark, with the ring playing in the background to make it all that more horrifying. So I kept watching the movie entranced in far more terror than I had been before, just thinking and plotting. I don't think I actually paid attention to a single other part of that movie because this guy's antics weren't over. I was staring at the back of this guy's head the whole time, making sure he didn't get out of sight again. The movie just blended into the background, and this guy's silhouette was its replacement. But during one particularly dark scene, just minutes after he turned around, in all seriousness, he just disappeared again. I pictured him crouching down on his seat, crawling across the rows on all fours, quickly making his way up the rows until he got to me. I was quite literally shaking at this point, just not knowing where the hell this guy went. But then, 
My eyes hit the emergency exit doors towards the front on the opposite side of the theater again, making the theory that he had crawled down the aisle even more prevalent in my mind. Because he was standing in front of the emergency exit door. In the very faint glow of the red exit sign above his head. Once again, a smile crossed his mouth as he stood completely still, looking directly at me. Now I really couldn't exit the theater, and I was kicking myself for not having done it earlier. He was even closer to the main door now, which there was only one of, as again, this was a small theater. So instead of sitting there in fear, allowing this guy to torment me because he had nothing better to do on a Monday afternoon than ruin some stranger's day during a perfectly good movie, I put my popcorn down, stood up, and yelled, What do you want, man? As soon as I did, I kid you not, the screen went black. I remember looking up above me at the projection room to see not a single glow from the projector. The only light in the entire place was that red exit sign, no longer illuminating anyone. Since this was before cell phone flashlights, I just stood there, petrified. There was no way I was making my way to the main door now in the dark, probably breaking my neck down the stairs since even the aisle lights were off. It was like the whole place went dark. I wondered for a moment if it was a very coincidental time for the power in the building to go out. It was, after all, November. But since I couldn't see... All I had was my hearing, so I listened closely in hopes of hearing an employee upstairs or down the hall shouting to someone about the power. But all was quiet. I didn't even hear any noises coming from that man. I almost asked him wherever he was if he could find his way to the door to get an employee, since the last I'd seen he was directly on the ramp that led from the emergency exit to the theater's door. But I suddenly felt scared, thinking that he would know where I was. I slowly started feeling the seats next to me and making my way down the aisle, hoping to silently get to the main door and out of there without this guy hearing or seeing me. But when I reached the end of the aisle... I heard the sound of someone running against the theater's carpet. All I could do was gasp and stop in my tracks, now picturing the man running straight towards me. When the steps got close, I started running down my aisle in the opposite direction, hoping to loop around and make it to the door before the man could reach me. But when I got to the end of my aisle... The big lights came on overhead. And when I turned around, I was alone in the theater. The screen was still black, but all the lights were on, showing a completely empty room. Since I was standing and still at the top back row, I could see everything in front of me. No one was on the floor, crouching or laying down. 
The only thing I thought could be true was that someone was behind the curtain up front. But how could the man have traveled all the way from the top row and down behind the curtain in a split second? I didn't care to find out, so I went sprinting out of the theater and back to the concession stand, full panting. Panting so hard that I was kneeled over, my hands on my knees. I was never so happy to see the sunlight out the windows and people, real people. The girl behind the counter looked at me, bewildered. Did the power just go out, I asked. She looked confused. No, are you okay? A manager must have seen my panic because he was suddenly by my side, asking the same question, if I was okay. I explained that I had just been in the ring when the movie went out and the lights turned out, and immediately, without seeking any further details, he assured me that there must have been a malfunction and that he would refund my ticket straight away. I then asked him if another man ran out before me and warned him of the guy from the theater, saying there might be a creep and they should locate him before he scares anyone else. The manager immediately looked at the girl behind the concession stand, straight-faced. It was like he knew what I was talking about. There was no sense of urgency to find the man, but he looked scared. He ignored what I said, telling me he was going to get me a refund, asking if I had any concessions so he could refund those too. Whatever I saw must not have been the first time for that theater because the staff sure looked like they were hiding something. Something terrifying. I actually took a break from the movies in general for a while after this, but when I went back, I always made sure I was with someone, and I never went back to that same theater ever again. I actually kind of like going to the movies by myself when my friends can't see a movie that I want to see or I want to see something that nobody else does, but I don't know if I'm going to do that again. This next one is about something we've all got, something you're probably using right now, your phone. I can't help but think of this incident nearly every time I've made a phone call since. My girlfriend and I were rushing out of the house one night a few weeks back to meet friends for dinner. We were running late because I was feeling a bit hungover as it was and I couldn't pull myself out of the shower. My girlfriend was in my bedroom, which is located in my house here in Nashville, where I've lived alone for about a year now. But my girlfriend, whose name is Kate, stays with me the majority of days and nights since being in my house always made more sense than staying at the one she shared with a roommate. As I got out of the shower and dressed in the bathroom as quickly as I could, I heard Kate calling my name. She was asking if I knew where her phone was. Since I'd been in the shower, this isn't something I was keeping track of or noticed because we'd both been doing our own thing for the last 30 minutes or so as we both got ready. So I started walking around the house to help her look. Since it was getting late, the sun had already set, meaning I was walking around using my iPhone's flashlight and the couch cushions and places like that. When we didn't see it in the first minute, I just decided to call her phone. We needed to get out the door as soon as possible since we were already late. 
So I called her phone just hoping we could find it and get in the car quickly. Luckily, her phone was off vibrate at the time, so when I called it, it started ringing across the house. Before we can get an idea of exactly where her phone was, the call got picked up. Initially, I thought the call was going straight to voicemail, like maybe something had intercepted the phone call. So I go to pull it off my ear to redial so we can find the damn thing, but right before I do, I hear the faintest giggling sound. I put my hand out in a stop signal to listen further without my girlfriend saying anything or asking me to call it again. And she's just looking at me, completely puzzled at why I'm doing that. I press the phone to my ear harder, as if that would make whatever it is on the other line louder, and listen to find out if what I heard is really what I heard. I don't want to say hello, because in my head, there's no way there is a real person on the other line. We had just heard her phone ringing inside the house, so how could that even be possible? But then, I hear a faint, muted laugh again, like a low giggle from a man. (laughs) I finally decide to speak after only a few seconds on the call and say, hello? When I do, the person on the other line stops giggling and says, I see you. My entire body gets immediate chills. I didn't hear the voice in person, likely because they were still keeping theirs fairly low. But I just look at Kate and mouth to her, Lock yourself in my bedroom. She still looks so confused with no idea what is going on because she couldn't hear anything that I could from this phone call. And she can't even call for help because obviously she doesn't have her phone. As soon as she walks to my bedroom quietly, I start darting my eyes all around the room. The curtains were open because the sun had set while I was getting ready and that was something I was going to do right before I left. So the only way anyone could see me would be if they were outside. I am still completely frozen in fear because I don't know who this person is, why they have my girlfriend's phone, or where they are. So I say into the phone, who is this? And I met with more giggling, the same faint, light laughter that they had done before. And now I'm mad. I walk towards the doors to the front yard and yank the door open, walking outside onto my front porch. But I don't see anyone. While I'm looking around, this creep on the phone says in a sing-songy voice, You're getting colder. So I run inside and cross the living room to the back doors that lead out my backyard. And just before I pull open the back door, the call hangs up. I call back immediately, knowing that the ringing should lead me to whoever this person is. But the ringing isn't coming from right outside the door. I can hear it from the other side of my house. 
I sprint outside ready to fight and see my house's side gate wide open with my girlfriend's phone sitting on the ground next to it. So I pick it up, hang up my own call, and jog around the side of the house to see if I can find anyone. But there's no one in sight. It's then that I notice the kitchen door on the side of my house is wide open. When the phone rang originally, I had thought that it was on the side of my house where the kitchen was, but since it didn't ring long enough for me to pinpoint it, I didn't end up looking over there. But after seeing the door open and finding her phone on the ground outside the side gate of my house, I could only come to one conclusion. Someone had crept into my house, grabbed Kate's phone, and talked to me on it while watching me from the windows in my backyard. This next one will never make you want to camp alone or be alone ever again. A few years back, I got the wise idea to camp alone in a tent in the frigid winter. I grew up camping with my family in England as my dad was American and grew up camping across the USA in a camper van with his whole family. He was a big inspiration to me when I decided to move to the States years ago, having grown up with all of his stories of the wonders of American nature, their beautiful great outdoors. And he was right. I settled in Southern California and enjoyed the constant sunshine and beautiful bouts of warm weather. But a part of me always missed the cold, so each winter, I either visited home in England or traveled to a cabin somewhere to go skiing or snowshoeing with friends or a partner. My boyfriend of three years was from Bend, Oregon, so visiting there during the holidays was always a treat when it snowed. But a couple months before my terrifying story takes place, this boyfriend and I broke up because I found out he had been cheating on me. It was devastating and difficult for me to navigate without my family by my side because he had been my family for years at that point. More than ever that Christmas, I wanted to go home to my parents and siblings, but it being 2020, the travel ban stopped me from doing so with my visa as I still didn't have citizenship in the States yet. So instead of spending the holidays with my family, I was going to be alone. None of my friends were with their family either, as everyone was pretty much isolating as much as possible. So I decided I would isolate myself in Mother Nature. It felt like the best of both worlds. I can enjoy some time alone to look within after my breakup and hopefully be inspired and healed by nature. And I could have a cozy winter experience. But clearly, I couldn't do that in San Diego. So I headed up to Big Bear. This was the quickest way to get to the snow, and I almost decided on getting a cozy cabin up there somewhere, but something in my bones wanted to sleep in a tent and wake up to make a fire with some coffee at a campground. Also, since it was winter, it's not a very busy time to camp, so I thought it would be the perfect solitude. Plus, getting laid off from my job months prior meant I was desperately pinching pennies, and this was the cheapest way to go and it was only a few hours away by drive. 
Before I left, I noticed a snowstorm warning for the days ahead, but it wasn't set to begin until the day after I was going to leave. So I figured I'd be fine, and I made the trek up there. There was snow on the ground already, but luckily it wasn't too cold outside or wet. I think it was around 5 degrees Celsius or 40 degrees Fahrenheit, so it was manageable. Overall, the conditions weren't terrible, and as I had snow camped many times before, I felt confident. But never had I done it alone. But remember, I was trying to take my independence back. Although, as a woman, camping alone and in winter, I worried more about creepers than I did about the snow. I figured, worst case, I could sleep in my car, but I had all the right gear to stay warm in my insulated tent. When I arrived at the campsite, it was completely empty, which almost creeped me out even more than if there had been one or two other people there, but I set up camp anyway. The forested campground I picked was magical, especially with the light snow illuminated by the sun through the trees. I felt truly at peace. I made sure to keep my wood in my car so it would remain nice and dry, so after setting up my tent, I built a fire in the fire ring and strung my hammock up in the perfect spot next to it between two pine trees. I bundled up even more, grabbed my Kindle, and spent the entire afternoon reading by the fire. It was just the thing I needed. As night began to fall at half four, I stoked the fire, added more wood, and set up a pot of bean chili on the grate to enjoy with half a bottle of red wine. As I was preparing my supper, a truck drove into the campsite. It confused and startled me because setting up camp so close to sunset was not the ideal thing to do. But for some people, it's not an option if they were busy all day or had a long drive. So I try not to be too weirded out by it. Out of all the campsites in the place, the truck rolled up right next to mine in a campsite just on the other side of a thin line of trees, meaning we'd be able to see each other somewhat while we were at our respected campsites. I soon realized that it was a solo man camping in his trailer. All I could hope was that he was nice and normal and would leave me be. And he ignored me while he got set up, which gave me time to enjoy my chili mostly in solitude. While I was putting my dinner supplies away, the man came over to me and asked how I was doing. He appeared to be in his 40s and introduced himself as Brian. I kept a friendly tone, but not too friendly, and we made small conversation. Then he asked me where I came from and if I was alone. I didn't want to give too many personal details, so I told him I had a friend in town. I didn't. That would be joining me and that I was a local. He asked if my friend was a woman, and I decided to say no, that he was a man, and that he'd be arriving that night. I figured if I'm already lying, I might as well make it the best lie I can to keep me safe. He had a very gentle demeanor, like he was concealing something, which instantly put me on edge. He then said that that was a shame and that if anything happened and I needed company, he'd be right there at the campsite next to me. 
I thanked him, trying not to be outwardly weirded out by his comment. I settled back into my campsite and sat by the fire for a while. Every time I looked up, which I made sure was infrequent, I could see him looking up at me from his own campfire. I was in such a predicament because I knew that I felt unsafe, but I worried that if I started packing up right in front of him, he would notice and maybe get upset or confused. I could always lie again and say that there was an emergency, but with no one else around, I truly didn't know what to do. I just hoped that he wouldn't notice when my non-existent local male friend wouldn't arrive. After a while, I put out my fire, waved goodnight to Brian since he was still there by his fire opposite me, and zipped myself into my tent. I almost considered car camping at that point because at least I could lock the door, but my tent was fully set up and warm and I didn't want to let this guy win. Plus, he hadn't actually made any threat, so I hoped I was just overreacting. I decided if I woke up the next morning and he planned to stay longer, I would pack up then and cut my trip short, or just treat myself to a night in a cabin after all. I laid in my tent and read some more and tried to get Brian off my mind, but every sound I heard made me worry if he was still watching me. Before I actually fell asleep, I quietly exited my tent to wee and noticed Brian's fire was out and the light in his camper was off. All was quiet and he appeared to be asleep, so I weed out back behind my tent and got back in just as a light snowfall began to come down from the sky. I cozied up inside and read longer than I wanted to because still, Every small noise or crunch from a branch made me picture Brian outside my tent, coming to see if I were really alone. I heard so many things. Quick running had to be an animal. The shuffling of leaves. A distant crack of a branch. Every single sound terrified me. I reminded myself of the many animals that inhabited the area and that if a person were outside, I'd be able to tell by the different noises that they would cause. I grabbed the bottle of wine I'd begun enjoying with my dinner, uncorked it, and had a few more sips, just to put me at ease, while simultaneously warming me up even more and dizzying me off to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night to another sound. A zipper. It's that very obvious squeaking buzz that only a tense zipper makes. I shot up in my tent, surrounded by complete darkness. I didn't see anything, but that didn't mean I was alone. So I grabbed my lantern and I turned it on, filling my tent with light. But I was alone. However... When I looked down at the zipper across my tent, I noticed the tiniest opening. I remembered closing my tent all the way, if not to keep Brian out, to keep the cold wind and light snow out. But there it was, a small opening. 
I tried to detect more sounds to see if someone was outside my tent. And that's when I heard the faint sound of crunching snow. The squeak of a shoe against a fresh blanket outside. Or did I? Was my mind playing tricks on me? Or was someone walking outside my tent? The sounds got more and more distant, and I refused to open my tent and investigate, even though if someone were outside, they likely knew they'd been caught since I turned my lantern on. I checked the time on my phone. It was just after four in the morning, which meant the sunrise was nearly three hours away. And there was no chance I was falling back asleep. After zipping my tent closed, I laid like a mummy in my sleeping bag and breathed as quietly as possible, doing nothing but listening for sounds. But I didn't hear anything too alarming after that. Every sound that came was a very obvious animal. I must have fallen back asleep due to pure boredom eventually, because the sun woke me up after 9 o'clock. I felt a blanket of safety in that moment just knowing it was daytime. Even if I saw Brian cooking breakfast and staring at my sight when I opened my tent, I would feel safer than I did last night knowing I could finally leave. I unzipped my tent to hear that same sound I heard the night before, still unsure of how to explain it. But soon I'd be able to... As I slung my Uggs over my feet at the opening of my tent, I noticed footprints in the snow. I didn't even think about it at first, knowing I had been going in and out of my tent since I set it up the day before. But then I realized that it had started to snow after I went wee before going to bed. And these footprints were the only ones around my tent at all. My eyes shot up to Brian's campsite and everything had been packed up. He was gone. Even so, I knew I couldn't stay another night, so I ended up driving into town and getting a cheap chalet for the night just so I didn't let this weird stranger completely ruin my holiday. But the most terrifying part of this experience was what I found after I left the campsite. As I sat in my chalet, cozy and warm and by myself again, I looked through my camera roll from my short camping trip to post on Instagram. And there was a photo I certainly did not take. With flash on, there I was, sleeping in my sleeping bag inside my tent. The photo was taken at 3.50 in the morning, minutes before I heard the zipper and the crunching of snow. Which means Brian had to have come into my tent quietly, fished for my phone, taken my picture, and left. And I must have heard him as he was leaving. But why did he take a picture of me on my own phone? Was it a threat? How long had he been inside my tent? And did he do anything else? I felt sick with dread and didn't know what to do. 
I didn't get this man's license plate. I didn't get his surname. All I had was a probable fake first name and a basic description of a brunette man in his 40s. Thinking back, I should have just left when I felt unsafe because I'm lucky nothing else happened to me that night. If he had gotten upset with me for leaving, I could have called the police or started recording him. But instead, I let the fear of unknown retaliation get the better of me. I wish I had called police, been overdramatic, and gotten out of there that night. And as much as I hate to say I won't be camping alone anymore, as women should be able to do things and be out in the world without worrying about what creepy men are going to do to them, we live in an unsafe world where countless creepers exist. So next time, I'll take the proper precautions, even if it means I come off as someone who's overreacting. And I won't be so nice. In today's episode, you heard My Movie Theater Companion by Oliver, The Ringing Phone by Jared B., and The Man at Campsite 7 by Elizabeth. Each story on Nightwatch is told with the permission of the experiencer. If you have a story for the show, send it to watcher at nightwatchpod.com. Nightwatch is a Dark West Productions podcast hosted and produced by me, Daphne Wilsoncroft. Also produced by Heath Merriman. Original score by Daniel Amon. Follow us on social media at Nightwatch Stories and tune in every Thursday for a new episode.